0: Feeling stuck in your career or like you're not realizing your potential? Coaching Chats is the podcast for you. Through informative interviews and practical advice, we will help you assess your skills and interests while providing actionable steps to overcome challenges. Become the
1: best version of yourself with Coaching Chats.
0: Hello everyone! Welcome to another episode of Coaching Chats. I'm your host, Rukshana Aliva. Today, I'm joined by our very special guest, Chris Asibo. Let me tell you about him. Chris Asibo is a certified master life coach and business success coach who helps online freelancers and entrepreneurs boost their productivity and profits through transformational. Coaching, so they can have the income, impact, and freedom they want. Chris is the host of the Mental Arsenal podcast, which is dedicated to helping people create a life and business they love from the inside out. His show covers a plethora of topics like on personal and professional development, coaching, neuro linguistic programming, neuro hacking, cognitive science behavioral psychology, mindfulness, productivity, entrepreneurship, and many more. When he is not writing, coaching, or speaking, Chris spends his time reading non-fiction books, binge-watching com- comedy shows, or running and biking outdoors. So, in this episode, we will discuss why self-care and self-growth is the key to professional business growth. So without further ado, let's get into that. I'm so thrilled to have you on my show, Chris.
1: Thank you so much, Rakhlana. I'm very, very happy to be here. It's, it's an honor to be on your show.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I'm excited myself. Uh, Chris, I would like to start off our conversation with why why self-care? Why it's so important for people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we've noticed the trends in the world for when self-care became a thing. I think there was a rise in the trend around five years ago where people really starting to find that other way of how they operate in their life or business. Now how they're really seeing that self-care is so important. Because I think back then there was really this culture of, you know, hustle, you know, working and grinding 24-7 as a means for achieving success, you know, personally or professionally. But I think people have seen beyond that veil of, you know, working tirelessly and, you know, that culture of overwork and now looking at, you know, this 21st mindset thinking of looking at things more holistically. That in order for us to operate at a high level and in order for us to continue giving, and being of service to the world and creating things whether that's through products or services we need to be able to offset all that execution with rest so that's why self care is really important you know and how I really like to talk about concepts like these is on the areas of like definition you know as a coach i'm really big on definitions because how we define words sort of shape how we experience things So it's nice that, you know, we get to talk about, you know, how I would define self-care because that also helps demystify, you know, what it is not. And a lot of people tend to have misconceptions about what it is and what it is not. So self-care really just, if we look at it literally, it's just taking care of yourself. (laughs) It's just taking care of yourself. And in my line of work, I like to look at like execution and getting things done as Energies of execution. You know, in order for us to be able to get things done in the world, we need to have the energies in order to be able to do it. And we are able to do that. We are able to look at these energies in four categories. So that's, you know, our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies. More often than not, when it comes to self care, people often look at it on the lens of just the physical aspect of it. When people use the terms or toss the term burnout, which, you know, very, people toss that term around a lot these days. When people feel burnout, they are usually associated with the physical exhaustion. But, you know, there are other aspects to exhaustion as well. You know, we can get mentally exhausted. We can get emotionally exhausted and spiritually exhausted as well. So I think this conversation is really important because. What I'm aiming to do is to give, you know, self-care a more holistic view and help people see that it's not a selfish thing to take care of yourself. The refinement is that maybe we can talk about misconceptions later is that, you know, people tend to think self-care is selfish. And there is some truth to that. It is selfish, but the refinement is that it is also Selfless, so self care is both selfish and selfless, and maybe we can <laughs> dissect that a little further uh, later on.
0: Oh, thank you very much for sharing. That is so true. Like as you said, so many people associate uh, self care as being a bit selfish or lazy. If you're not constantly grinding, grinding, and working twenty four seven, especially in in entrepreneurial sh- space. Because people, you know, if, especially if you do digital marketing, so you have to make sure that your, you know, your content is scheduled and up and running. And and be, behind that is there is your business, your learning and other things, right? And networking, for example, as well. So yeah. it can be really, really overwhelming, right? And people d- neglect that area of self-care. And I'm I'm, I'm as well. I'm I'm guilty of that too. Sometimes as well. I'm I'm really into self care, but sometimes if I need to get things done, I you know I was like I can I can literally be at my desk for a few hours per day, which is not helpful. Okay, I'm just wondering because I know you work with solopreneurs. In what ways does self care impact both professionally? Uh, yeah, both professional and business growth yeah,
1: absolutely, out. yeah. so it again, in order for people to like produce just the root word for productivity, i like I love that word. and i like I like etymologies and <laughs> I like mm-hmm. making words like that. I'm weird like that. <laughs> but anyways, in order for people to you know, create and produce in the world, again, they need to have the energies in order to be able to do so, right? As solo preneurs, you know, whether you're offering a product or a service, you know, in order for you to operate in the business, you need to have the energy in, o- in order to be able to do so. So there needs to be this balancing between execution and rec- rest and recovery. And I think a beautiful analogy of this is like, when, you know, with high performers, with athletes or maybe in sports science, you know, in order for these athletes to perform at a high level, they need to offset, you know, all the work that they do in the gym and the track, wherever their uh, field of work is, with aggressive rest and recovery. So I think sometimes often this gets overlooked, or people glaze over the idea of self care, because, you know, as humans, especially, you know, entrepreneurs who are really like go-getters and likes to get things done and always like having a a laundry list of things to do, you know, self-care can feel like, you know, the opposite of that. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs find a lot of discomfort with not doing, you know, not doing anything, with relaxing. And that's one of the struggles that a lot of, of entrepreneurs or solopreneurs have is like they can't give themselves you know, that time and space to just relax. And these moments of relaxation are really crucial, not only for giving us energy in order to be able to get things done, but also like mentally, it gives us time breathing room. It gives us time to not focus our mind or our thoughts on the things that we're working on, but just rather an an outside or a scattered focus that allows us to connect the dots and actually come up with better ideas. This is the reason why a lot of the most innovative ideas come up on the moments where we're not working, you know, when we're taking a walk outside, when we're taking a shower, when we're taking a bike ride, when we're playing with, you know, our pets. Any moments where we're disengaged, those are the moments where we actually get, you know, those ideas. So there's plenty of benefits for, you know, taking care of ourselves. But yeah, it's really important for and, and one of the things I forgot to mention is like entrepreneurship, I'm sure you would know, is a long-term game. You know, and in order for you to stay in the game, you need to sustain the energies to keep you there. So it is a long-term approach. It it helps sustain you. It it helps keep you going. And I think one problem that people also Overlook or glaze over the idea of self care is that they wait for burnout to set in before they start, you know, thinking about self care. But the thing is, once you've reached the point of burnout, it's already too late, you know, and just thinking about the psychology and the physiology of burnout, it's so hard to bounce back from it. I think we think about it in terms of like a car, right? When we drive our own cars, we refuel it before the fuel is empty. But a lot of people wait until their, you know, fuel is empty before they start to fuel it, you know. And so a lot of entrepreneurs tend to run on fumes, you know, run on empty fumes. I'm I'm sorry, run on empty fuel. And that's just an inefficient way, you know, to get things done and and to operate in the world.
0: Mm, This is, uh, yeah, this is so accurate. And I love how you talk about how you connect self, self-care with productivity because if we don't as you said don't take care of ourselves when we, we we can't be productive and also it can lead to burnout which is a very uh, serious health issue which nobody you know nobody wants uh, to be in and um, talking about self-care do you uh, do you have maybe any i don't know tips or strategies that you can share uh, with our audience? Maybe you practice something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think what's beautiful with self-care is that it's bespoke. It's very individual. It's very unique. So just as when we started the episode, it's so important for our viewers and listeners to be thinking about what self-care means to you personally. Because, you know, even if I can give you tips and tricks, now, of course, you can adopt these into your day-to-day, but really be thinking about, you know, what that really means for you. One other way I would like to define self-care is just, it's just anything that gives you joy, anything that gives you a sense of happiness, anything that makes you feel recharged or renewed or recuperated. So from that definition, you can come up with so many things. Now, one of the ways it, I think would be helpful in terms of examples is, again, breaking down You know, where the areas where we can have self care. And that's the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So, for example, physical health. So, these are, you know, our diet, you know, our exercise and our sleep. So, those are the basics and nutrition and hydration. So, eating healthy foods, like really committing to a diet that works for you. So, I'm vegetarian. That has worked for me energy wise. I'm very careful about sugar intake and glucose spice. It's it's really it's a personal thing because you know energy varies from individual to individual. I also do yoga, I jog, I bike, I take a walk outside, you know, walk the dog. Things like that. I do like occasional stretches during break times. Like for example, if I'm working Pomodoro time, during the break time I would do some yoga stretches for like five to ten minutes. So it just helps, you know, recover, you know, during bursts of focus and execution. So for another area would be for mental health. One really common self-care practice would be meditation. Meditation, prayer, journaling, you know, reflecting, introspecting, and one really powerful practice is allowing boredom. I think a lot of people really struggle in this area because boredom is actually a really uncomfortable Feeling, when we feel boredom, the impulse always is, how do I stop feeling bored? You know, what can I do? Where can I put my? Where can I put my attention on? When in fact boredom is actually how the brain recharges. That's a fun fact. You know, this is in uh, uh, cognitive science. This is called the default network. So this is how the brain recharges. So when you feel boredom, you know, get in the practice of just letting yourself be bored. Sitting with the boredom for 5, 10, or 15 minutes. You know, I like to think about it as as a staring at the ceiling practice where you're just literally staring at the ceiling. So resist the, the impulse to put your attention somewhere. I think what's really common is like when people start getting bored, it's, you know, social media is very convenient to put our attention on. But, and a lot of people look at, you know, going on social media as a break, but it's not really a break because it's not giving our mind that time and space to rest. So this is not to villainize social media. Of course, it has, you know, there are good and bad aspects to it, but it's like, I think it's more about like intentional use. So yeah, I think that's one really, really powerful practice in addition to everything else is boredom. And I think this topic gets really overlooked. So I encourage viewers and listeners to, Get familiar with the feelings of boredom and increase your tolerance for boredom. As for emotional health, you know, I think one big aspect of this is the social aspect. You know, the hanging out with our friends, being with your kids, calling your mom, calling your dad, playing with your pets, things like that. Or in terms of like having the mental toolkit to do this, using the power of your imagination. Your ability to visualize good feelings, you know, pulling from moments in the past where you were happiest or imagining into the future, you know, your ideal outcome, your ideal goal. And for spirituality, you know, there's this sense of community. You know, if you go to certain religious affiliations, you know, going to church, being with your church mates, or, you know, whether you are a theist or an atheist, you know, whoever is the God of your own understanding, engaging in that area as well. So I think those are common examples that I would implore people to try. But again, really make self-care, a self-care regimen your own, have a, have your own personal definition, and then just start, your, start with a question of like, what brings me joy? What gives me excitement? You know, it could be any hobby, any activity that you get excited about. I guess one thing I'd like to mention is like often <laughs> as entrepreneurs, we get so into the mindset of like doing something in order to get something, you know, we do something in order to get money in return or value in return, but get in the habit of like doing something just for the sake of doing it. (laughs) I think a lot of people like they don't engage in their passions, they don't follow their passions, because there's this sort of like pressure that your passion has to turn, you know, into a profession or a career or a business. No, it can just literally be a hobby that energizes you. So one powerful way to do this is to look into the past. You know, what activities did you enjoy doing as a kid? You know, did you enjoy, (laughs) I don't know, hiking? Did you enjoy biking, painting, drawing, sculpting, making songs, singing, dancing, whatever it is? You know, create that list and start making space on our calendar to engage on those activities to help you recharge. And again, one last last thing, Uh, one last last thing, rather. (laughs) There's so many things I mentioned. It's like because, you know, we look at those energies of execution in, in terms of those four areas, right? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's important to keep checks and balances in those areas, you know, because you might be doing well in the physical aspect but you're struggling mentally or emotionally so also take a moment to just step back and reflect and sort of like score yourself and assess where you what areas you need more self-care on and sort of like invest some time energy attention in those areas so it's really just about balancing and finding what works for you
0: yes absolutely i absolutely agree with that as we say life is all about balance and if one area of our life becomes out of balance so we 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 might feel not as maybe fulfilled or we feel like there is something missing as you you know as you mentioned physical health mental health finding that excitement or or joy what you really enjoy doing in terms of activities because life is not all about work right otherwise i don't know we probably would all have a little bit of mental health issues if we have to actually (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know if you've heard, I know that Warren Buffett, who's the uh, the most um, successful investor in the world, I read that the way when he does his um, investment decision, he doesn't sit at his desk looking at his Excel spreadsheet, you know, every day. He just goes for a walk and this is where he finds you know he 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 basically doesn't have this he doesn't have this busy mind like i said like sitting at at his desk and just yeah watching at his screen but you know he he makes this decision based on you know recharging or i don't know yeah he mentioned he was he actually walks so that's something yeah. to think about yeah absolutely and
1: yeah research backs that up like walking in nature you know, being in a natural environment, just as we have for thousands of, thousands of years, you know, our ancestors have lived that way only until a few centuries ago where we've boxed ourselves up, you know, in cubicles and office spaces and things like that. So that just helps us commune, you know, with nature, walking in nature. It helps us disengage the mind. It helps the mind rest and breathe and form those connections and creates those in innovation, innovate, you know, come up with fresh ideas, come up with novel solutions to new problems. And I, I do I do want to mention something about balance, because there are two schools of thought in this area, some people would say, like, balance is not achievable. And it's not, you know, you shouldn't try to do that. And some people believe in balance, like you and me. So I guess I just want to create this share a refinement to the idea that balance mm-hmm. is not something you achieve, it's something you maintain it's an ongoing basis it's a day to day basis you don't just you know exercise today and forget about it tomorrow it's something you maintain you have to take care of your physical health your mental health emotional health spiritual health so balance is really important and we people need to stop thinking about balance in terms of like equal time allocation so it's not about spending 4 hours at work 4 hours exercise 4 hours CV no it's it's about allocating the, the appropriate amount of time with, you know, those different areas. Some, some areas in our lives, depending on our life stages, will demand more time and attention than others. And when we move on to a different phase in our lives, whether that's after we have a child or during a job transition or starting a new business, you know, so it's all about like, you know, balancing as an ongoing basis, not seeing it as like a one-off thing where it's just achieved and it's perfect and it's never gonna change again. So looking at this dynamically, and adapting to the changes. So that's, I think, I hope that helps people change their minds about (laughs) balance, because it really is important. And it is a natural thing. You know, our body is designed to balance, to maintain the state of homeostasis or health, right? And it's going on every second. So that's something that we can also apply in our own lives or business
0: yeah no yeah yeah absolutely um yeah talking about balance i'm very passionate about that topic i have to say and as you rightly said said that there is no you can't achieve perfect balance in each area of your life it's just impossible but sustain this a healthy balance where you spend you know you know looking after your physical health let's say mental health social interactions which are very important for mental health you know that having that human connections with people like financial stability and other areas right it's um it's Mm -hmm. probably doable and as you also uh, pointed out that life happens and sometimes as a result of that people might neglect certain areas but then they when they reflect, they're like, oh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I didn't see my friends or my family, like in three months, I definitely need to catch up on that. So and we, it's just, yeah, because sometimes people might put a lot of pressure on themselves and which is not helpful at all. So it's good to actually be aware of that, but constantly working, refining, you know, that, that's, that, that might be a good practice. Chris, I actually was wondering, I think it's a bit personal question. Do you what what's your view on morning routine?
1: <laughs> morning routine. I think you know, I have several books here uh, <laughs> behind me and I have at least 3 books on having a morning routine. Tell me what you and, think. <laughs> you know, I think with productivity, personal development, it's really a personal thing, but my own personal take on morning routines is really helpful, you know, because we are creatures of habit and a morning routine. And I love that word routine versus habits is uh, it creates, you know, familiarity. It creates structure. And just to clarify, this is not to say that habits are inherently bad, but it's just there is, I feel again, an appropriate way where we apply the usage of that word. But I love the word routine because it kind of like removes the pressure of like, doing it like strictly every single day, not skipping a day, et cetera. It just releases that pressure. I think a routine though, when you stick to it, can re- is really helpful, especially a morning routine, because I believe that that's one of the two areas where we have control in our lives. You know, sometimes we don't have control about what happens during the day. You know, things happen, life happens, but we always have control about how we start the day, and how we end the day. That's a second one. So starting your day, you know, so that you are in centered, grounded place, you know, investing in your energy, in, investing in your the the energies we talked about earlier, your physical energy, mental, emotional. So using that time, whether that's five-minute <laughs> morning routine, and you can really actually make it that short into a 90-minute or two-hour morning routine, if your life circumstance allows it, I think is really powerful. So I really encourage people to just take a moment and look at what they can do. You know, sometimes if you're really, really busy, you you can just do a minute of meditation, minute of jumping jacks, you know, a minute of prayer, you know, so uh, that's why it can be that short. I think because the ego complexities of the ego, you know, a lot of people tend to complicate it and make it more complicated than it should be. But it can really be just be that simple. And, you know, a good way to look at morning routines is like a ramp up. It ramps us up into the day. It prepares us into the day, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, so that we're better able to be of service to the world and to produce and get things done. I think it's a a really great opportunity for it's a low hanging fruit. In terms of personal development, you know, if people are stuck in a rut and they're really struggling to get things done or just struggling mentally, emotionally, that's one of the areas that can really kickstart change in the day to day. You know, just invest in that first five minutes and even just mentally speaking, if you want to rewire, you know, your certain ways of thinking or habits of thought, the brain is most ripe during those first five minutes because we're just coming up from those Lower brain waves where the mind is more open to suggestions. So, also, you know, affirmations, positive affirmations, self talk, Mm -hmm. positive self talk is most effective during those first five minutes. So, really leverage that. It's a powerful leverage point and really try to overcome that impulse to reach for your phone first thing in the morning because that's what a lot of people do. And, you know, now you're caught in this uh, world of like, often, if you're looking at the news, there's which is always leaning towards negativity, so now you're already feeding your brain, and it sort of like bleeds into the day, it affects your day, and sometimes you get off on the wrong side of the bed, or you start the day in the wrong mood. So, you know, I think that was a really long answer to a simple question, but I believe in the power of morning routine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, no, it's absolutely fine. No, it's it's good that you explained it, you know, so comprehensively. Uh, and it's good to know your, your view because I'm myself now into all these habits because I, I strongly believe if you want to be successful, succeed at something, you really need to practice self-discipline habits. And I started practicing, not morning routine, but it because, yeah, I might, because I don't want to take a lot of time of talking about me during this episode, but even practicing habits, I already noticed improvements in my life. Like, for example, and again, I don't want to talk about myself, but in terms of evening, so what I started doing, I stopped, I started, I uh, stopped using my phone. So in my bedroom, I don't allow my phone, iPad, no gadgets after 8 p.m. And my husband knows it. He knows this rule. He's not allowed to bring his gadgets into the bedroom. Because, I love that. <laughs> and you know what? He initially, he, he didn't like that idea because, oh, you know, I want to unwind. I want to chill. I want to read something. I want to catch up on news or things like that. But when he started doing the same, he noticed that he's, uh, he started having better quality of sleep. This happened to me as well. So I know it's really difficult because I think I'm addicted to social media, my phone. It's one of my biggest challenges right now, not to touch my phone, not to be on social media. And I, I already set boundaries around the content I'm consuming. I was, I'm trying to be quite a little bit strict with myself because otherwise, you know, I don't get things done. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of sleep, uh, that, that habit I, we recently started practicing, and I think it's working well. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to talk absolutely. as well. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's great. And, and thanks for sharing
1: that. And I think that's a really powerful takeaway for people to test. You know, I think, like you said, like your husband, people might find a lot of resistance to this idea of, you know, banning technology in the room. But I think... This is really powerful because we want to have sort of like a mental association with the different spaces in our house. And we want our bedroom to, we want our mental association with bedrooms to be for rest and recovery. And like you said, removing or limiting setting boundaries on screen time helps with higher quality sleep because it limits, you know, our our eyes exposure to blue light and that affects, you know, production of melatonin, et cetera and it helps us really get into those deeper levels of sleep and helps us ease into sleep much faster and i really i actually really like that practice i think it's a great practice it's something that i've tried in the past i haven't done it consistently because like you i'm also addicted to my devices <laughs> so it's a personal struggle but i can vouch that it works And it's especially powerful, like I said, because when you wake up early in the morning, the phone's not in your room, so you can't reach for it. (laughs) So you can, you know, start with like fixing your bed or sitting on the side of the bed to meditate or pray, however you want to start the day. But at least it's not going to be the first thing that you do, which is, you know, check your phone, check your notifications, open social media, check emails, which is actually what a lot of people tend to do by default. So I think that's a really, really powerful practice. And yeah, I think it's great that you shared that.
0: <laughs> My pleasure. And actually, I didn't, I didn't ask you about your morning routine. What, what, what do you do Like when you wake up? It's just interesting. To, yeah, I, I just I love uh, hearing everyone's morning routines. So.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So I think for many, many years now, I keep a consistent checklist of things that I do in the morning. So the first thing that I do is I pray. It's just short prayer, and I I already know the words. I say the same things over and over again, but it's not like a mindless, you know, prayer. I really feel the words, and I really like that prayer I say in my prayer about, you know, helping me just start my day with, like, intention and be loving and things like that, Uh, things of that nature. And then I meditate, and then I fix my bed, and then I clean out my tongue. I remove the gunk and I brush my teeth. (laughs) And and then I have my first 500 ml of water. And then I would read. And this is the ideal morning routine. I don't follow this all the time. But after reading, then I would journal. It's It's just a gratitude journal. And then exercise. And after exercise, I take a shower, do skincare, and then have coffee. And then create a daily plan or look at the, my planner, decide on what I want to accomplish today and work and start doing, doing deep work or like work in blocks. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. And what's really important, I think it's helpful for habits, is like keep a tracker, whether it's a spreadsheet, whether that's Notion, whether that's a habit tracking app on your phone, you know, seeing those streaks really help. I personally just use Notion or a habit tracker so find what works for you or you can use like a physical journal you know cross those out or on your calendar or whatever i think to me personally it's been it's very uh, motivating to see like oh my gosh i you know did the streak and yeah i guess that's pretty much it i actually have been a long time faster so i don't have breakfast i break my fast until like Later in the afternoon, like post lunch, so that's the, my first meal of the day. I than to just have tea or coffee and just water in the morning hours, so that's pretty much my <laughs> morning routine.
0: Oh, it seems so. Uh, I don't know it seems it seems like very soothing, and it seems like you have a, such a great start of the day, as you said, because the majority of people, by default, wake up, take their phones look at, uh, scroll, look at other people's life for about an hour <laughs> <laughs> then they, and right. or read news, which already as you said, put negativity, to, but I like your, I like, your, you know, you're very, how shall I say, chilled a little bit. You're not like in a reactive or rushed mode. I love that type of mornings when I wake up and I don't have to go anywhere or I don't have to eat yeah. straight away something. Seems really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. I, love yeah. That. I love that. Thank you for sharing. What I was going to ask, oh, yes, I, I know you are working, sorry, just changing slightly the subject. I know you're working on a program called Maximal Productivity, a step-by-step system for getting things done without burning out. Can you tell me more about it and what inspired you to create this?
1: Yeah. In my network, in my circle of freelancers and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, I think it's a common challenge that people have. How can I raise my productivity? How can I get things done? How can I motivate myself? I have low motivation. How can I increase my confidence, etc. There's a plethora of reasons that affect people's ability to get things done. So I, I was really seeing this. And I actually started working on this a year ago. And it was actually titled differently. It was called the Productivity Blueprint, which I own the domain for. But I realized when I was doing my research, when I was working on this program was like, oh my gosh, like it's so hard to just operate based on these Tips and tricks and hacks, there must be a better way. Because I found myself, you know, as I raised my productivity or tried to raise my productivity, one thing that I learned was that I actually felt more anxious and stressed. So to me, that was really baffling and confusing. Like, why am I actually more stressed when the research shows that the more productive we are, the happier we actually are? So I started exploring the, this idea and I realized that there is such a thing as a productivity trap or an efficiency trap. You know, when we raise our efficiency, once we're able to get things done faster than we used to, now we end up with actually more time. And our tendency is actually to fill that time with more things. So we end up actually feeling busier and more stressed out and more overwhelmed. So I think to me, one of the reasons I... Was inspired to make this was I want to change the conversation around productivity. I want to redefine productivity, not necessarily as just getting a lot of things done, but rather getting, you know, things done that matter, you know, the things that matter in the areas that matter and having that, that other aspect of productivity, which is again, not just the execution part, but also The energies that drive productivity. So, having that aggressive self care, you know, taking care of your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Because I think people just look on that one side of productivity where you're just doing, doing, doing. But then we also need to shift that emphasis into like the rest and recovery and renewal and recuperation. I think in seven habits of highly effective people, that's the sharpening of the saw, right? We need to invest in that renewal in order to operate at a high level. I've also been, you know, seeing many of my peers and colleagues experiencing burnout. And, you know, that's one of the questions that I try to answer, like, why are people so burnt out? <laughs> you know, and that leads to a, a host of other problems, you know, whether it's problems in their relationships because they have such a short fuse, they start today the in a really bad mood, etc., Or but there's just a physical problem, they actually get diagnosed certain lifestyle or stress-related disorders, you know, like high blood pressure, you know, kidney problems, pre-diabetes, diabetes, diabetes, etc., which are all avoidable if people just learn to balance, you know, productivity with rest and recovery. So I think that's what really inspired me to do this. I just want people to have more joy in the process. I think because of the hustle and bustle culture, people are just so focused on like making more money, you know, and that has become the the measure of success. You know, you've made it if you've made a million dollars or X amount of dollars, et cetera. But I just want people to like zoom out, take a step back and ask the question, like, why do I even want to raise my productivity in the first place? And, you know, what? what am I trying to achieve here? You know? <laughs> And again, just have more joy in the process because what's the point of, you know, achieving all these things, but then we're really just like burnt out, we're getting sick, we're losing our the important relationships in our lives. We have no sense of like connection to a greater cause, et cetera. So I think that that's pretty much what inspired me to do this.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing. What a great mission. I think a lot of Entrepreneurs, solopreneurs can relate to that. I think we all struggle with this. And I think whilst you were talking, I found myself thinking that I've heard this term toxic productivity, and I believe it came from maybe all these productivity gurus on the internet. This is where, you know, it's kind of counterproductive. Have you heard of toxic, toxic productivity?